Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Spider sense tingling. In for some trouble. Something's turning my spider sense off. Spider sense tingling. I feel my spider sense. Spider sense tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Yes. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And of course, we'd like to thank our spectacular patrons, Katie and Gemma Nicole, for supporting this podcast, as well as thanking all of our patrons for supporting this show. If you're interested in becoming a patron, check us out at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. So, we've got spook- <laughs> uh, spooky things. we got spooky things. Tis it's, the season? Tis, so, this episode was, uh, spoiler alert, like, aired right before Halloween. It's yeah. very, it's very Halloween-y. It's very, like, body horror, very mm-hmm. nightmarish, and we're, a <laughs> uh, little bit inside baseball, we're recording this on the eve of Christmas as I sip eggnog. Exactly, tis the season. Tis the season. For body horror. So very, <laughs> very appropriate. So this is a, that's a, a weird bit of whi- whi- whiplash, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're here, and we're talking about uh, living vampires. Yes, yes we are. I feel like this is one of the things that probably, would you agree this is probably a thing that sticks out to people about this cartoon? Like this is memorable yeah. stuff? Yeah, because it goes on for a long time and yeah. it's weird and creepy and gross. Yeah. And a lot happens. <laughs> like not so much not so much this one, the, the episode after this that we'll talk about next week, a lot of stuff is happening at the same time and mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's this really feels like the point when the show is getting just bonkers and taking advantage of the world that is a already been established and b is no longer like a slave to episode like episodic stories so they're just kind of going full bore into throwing like everything but the kitchen sink in each episode and um again it's not not too much in this one this one is a lot of setup yeah but even still, we're, 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 we get, like, payoff and set up at the same time, like, constantly. It's, it's very much in that, like, that serialized, uh, like, mindset now. Yeah, it's like all the parts of the machine are starting to run at the same time as opposed to just, like, seeing one thing do its job and then seeing the yeah. next thing do its job. Like, you get to see all of it happen at once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's probably going to be a good chunk to talk about. Um, so yeah. Let's just get right into it. We are talking about Spider-Man, the animated series, season two, episode six, Neogenic Nightmare, chapter six, Morbius. Yes, chapter six. Chapter six. <laughs> the, uh, the synopsis per IMDb is, as Peter tries to find a cure for his new mutation, his fellow classmate believes it is part of Peter's assignment and is planning to steal it for himself. It's hmm. not very ethical, is it? 
No, not cool, man. <laughs> like you said, the original air date was October 28th, 1995, right before Halloween and very appropriate for it. It was written by, or I should say the story was by John Semper and the teleplay was by Lydia Morano and Bryn Stevens. So Lydia Morano, both of these are new writers to this show. Uh, Morano's first major writing credit was on... This is so interesting. It was on this uh, anime dub, Captain Harlock and the Queen of a Thousand Years. Calling it an anime dub isn't really appropriate. It's <laughs> So this was sort of like in the same vein as, uh, do you know Robotech? Do you remember Robotech at all? I am aware of Robotech, but that's probably as far as I could go. Sure. Because so Robo- it confuses me. Like I've tried, but I haven't well, watched it, so I'm just confused. <laughs> it should because Robotech like did like different animes each season and then tried to link them into the same world. This sort of did that in, except instead of like having, you know, multiple seasons try to like link different animes, this just literally combined two unrelated animes and like cut them together so like this gives me a headache right it's fascinating to read about because it's basically um space pirate captain harlock is one anime and queen millennia is another they were each 42 episode animes but the the network or studio or whoever commissioned it um wanted a 65 episode show because that's like the magic number for syndication but they both of these shows the only connective tissue was that they were by the same creator so i think like the Mm. art style is probably the same and maybe some of the storytelling styles were the same Mm. but they basically would just like cut the episodes together and just have like different characters on different planets having their own stories and then like reference it i guess like reference each other but never actually interact because they couldn't because the footage wasn't there this is upsetting uh-huh this is like this is this is maddening <laughs> uh-huh it of course resulted in a wildly different show from either of the original two animes because obviously it was it is it's fat that kind of stuff is fascinating to me because it's such a weird way to make something creative and i can't yeah. imagine what it's like to write on something like that in the same way that it's like when you're writing, when you're adapting something like Power Rangers, like when you're taking footage that exists oh, yeah. and trying to craft a story out of that, but make it different. Like this is sort of like next level from that. So, oh yeah, hard mode, right? And you can't even watch it now because apparently it's like any of like the official like film reels or videos or whatever have been like lost time. No. Um, it's like officially lost media. <laughs> I would, I want to see like, because uh. it's got to be such a mess, right? Like it can't make any sense. Yeah. I want to watch it so bad. Oh, lost media makes me so sad. I know. Like even, like even things I probably don't care that much about. Like this, I will probably forget I cared this much, but like, <laughs> oh, it makes me so sad. And and this would be such a fascinating thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you have you run into like anybody who has even bits and pieces of it? Like have you have you noted? Like have you seen Ooh. any record of any of it? I didn't dig deep enough for that. I'm mostly uh, just going I'm by dig. IMDb and Wikipedia. Um, and even those, like there aren't really there aren't long enough entries. Most most of the entry is just talking about how weird this was. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, this is probably one of those shows that somebody out there convinced themselves it like didn't exist. Like you know how there's always those shows <laughs> uh, where you're like, no one I know has ever seen this. I mm-hmm. think I made it up i bet somebody out there thinks that about this anime (laughs) (laughs) sounds bizarre (sighs) other than that she also wrote on the real ghostbusters dino saucers gargoyles and max steel among some other things those are not anywhere near as interesting as that first (laughs) credit but uh yeah, wow. The other writer on this episode, Bryn Stevens, she's also credited, um, you might see her name pop up on other things, as Bryn Chandler-Reeves. Um, mm. I don't really know if that was like one's a married name and one isn't or what, but you can see her credited both ways on a lot of stuff. 
Notably, she was a, a story editor on Dino Saucers and Gargoyles. Hmm. Um, she wrote on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Ooh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman the Animated Series, and I think one episode of Spider-Man Unlimited. Gotcha. Um, unabashedly, I'm excited that He-Man and the Masters of the Universe has like entered our sphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that it does more frequently for reasons. <laughs> um, there's gonna be they're like announced like a second Netflix show, like two oh. animated shows in development. What's I'm up with that? I'm so confused confused because were people n- not excited about kevin smith's that they felt they needed two i i I, I don't understand i don't know i have like no no strong connection to he-man and the masters of the universe which is one of the reasons i'm excited that it, it could potentially end up on our you know chalkboard of ideas but <laughs> I, that's that's discouraging to me as somebody who like wants to eventually uh dabble that's that's not a good not a good way to go about it uh-huh. uh Networks and DreamWorks, I think, or Networks? Networks. Netflix and DreamWorks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess technically they're – no, Dream, yeah. they're, neither of them are really Networks, actually. But uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore in I in think that's a DreamWorks future. one. Yeah. I have no idea. Either way. <sighs> weird. I'll blame them anyway. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. We don't really have any major characters introduced Michael Morbius is, of course, spotlighted. We talked about him and his voice actor, Nick Jameson, in uh, the season's first episode, in uh, episode 22, when we talked about the Insidious Six. Yes. Although, I learned something new, I think. I don't think we t- I don't think this came up. Um, okay. I, I was listening to an interview. I was like trying to just look for background trivia on these episodes. I didn't really find a whole lot mm-hmm. that's really relevant yet. But there's an interview that John Semper did. He was trying to do his own like YouTube podcast with Spider-Man people. Oh. And he this was back in like 2014. And he did an interview with Nick Jameson. It was his first one, actually, I think. And there wasn't really anything interesting like Spider-Man related on there, to be honest. But mm-hmm. he was a musician for a long time before he got into acting. Oh. And he was the basis of the band uh, Fog Hat, I think. But <laughs> you would know the song Slow Ride, like Slow Ride, Take It Easy. Wait, what? Yep. He was a bassist on that song. What? Uh-huh. Is that song not as old as I thought it was? Or is um, Nick Jameson not as young as I thought it was? I think he was? he's just old. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's un- that's incredible. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he had he had like a major like he's and he said he's like lived in a bunch of di- like he grew up in tons of different countries. Like he grew huh. up in Italy at one point. He grew up in Greece for a long time and he had like some um he had like a record deal with a different band that he had in Greece that was actually like really popular there. Like long before he became, he came over to LA and became an actor. That is wild. So, fascinating career. Yeah. 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 But, but, and, but, uh, I say like, he mentioned that he like grew up in a lot of like, places because I think that one thing that they were talking about in the interview is how much he loves doing accents. And of oh, course, he's okay. doing a very explicit <laughs> accent on this show. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Uh, do they ever, we've met Michael Morbius already, so I don't think it's weird to, to ask this now, mm-hmm. but like, do they ever explicitly say where he's from or do they just constantly hint that it's supposed to be like Transylvania? Yeah. I think it's just like <laughs> vaguely European somewhere that also okay. happens to have a lot of castles and bats and small mm. villages mm. and you can take that however you will. Like, gotcha. I don't know exactly what, uh, what accent he's, he's specifically trying to do. I don't feel like it's any particular accent i think it's just a vague like like european accent like eastern european i think that's one of the reasons i'm so curious about it because it doesn't sound super i mean there are so many accents that what do i know but it doesn't sound super specific so i was wondering if it was (laughs) meant to be a an amalgam sort of thing 
I wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be surprised. And that seems like a very '90s way to, to handle sure. that kind of stuff. Did I? I've, I don't think I've ever read a single comic with Morbius in it. Oh, I definitely have not. I really I'm, want to now, but I have not. Because do you know if he was? from a foreign country in the comics at all? Or was he American and they just made him a vague oh, exotic foreign for the show? <laughs> I would be shocked if he were meant to be American based on the way that they tell his story in the cartoon. Um, because they weave, I mean, we'll get, we'll get to this, but they weave his sort of immigrant story into this version of him. Mm-hmm. So I would be surprised if they invented that for this show. But I'm not 100% sure... I was also shocked that they invented Man Spider for this show. So, oh, uh, this is you're not going to believe this um, fictional character biography. This is from Wikipedia, by by the way. Okay. Um, born and raised in Greece. No way. That's whoa. I don't understand. <laughs> but he's clearly not doing a Greek accent on this show. No, and he's so. very clearly not meant to be from Greece in this show. I would argue. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Although I suppose like, hmm, I don't actually know. No, Transylvania is not that close. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't, I'm confused. I don't, whatever. That's inter- uh, Hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> he's sure. from Greece, I guess. Sure. In yes. some iteration. Yeah, definitely not this <laughs> not one. This one. <laughs> it's like the least Greek looking person <laughs> in the world in this show. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess I'll, I'll I'll shelve that for the time being. <laughs> yeah, good lord. I will say his design, his awkward human design, which I kind of hate, but it does lend to a really cool vampire design when they're just like slightly tweaking it for his Morbius design, which I think looks a lot better than the comics version of him or the original comics version of him. But we can get to that, I guess, when we get to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's let's make our way to that. Sweet. So this episode, well, for for all the episodes moving forward, um, or at least many of them, I'm starting to become fascinated by the recaps themselves. I know we <laughs> joke that like the recap length depends on how much they can fit into an episode, but I'm I'm fascinated by them. So I'm gonna start calling out what they actually highlight. <laughs> so. Our recap for this episode, here's what they choose to remind us. So they remind us of the fact that Peter is losing his powers and that he missed a date with Felicia, which opens her up to a series of dates with Michael Morbius, who's a classmate that stopped a purse snatcher from stealing her purse. So that is what they have reminded us for this episode. <laughs> sure. I mean, those are all relevant things, but <laughs> missing a yes. few. Missing a few. I'm just, I'm fascinated because sometimes the recaps feel relevant and sometimes they don't and i am so used to recaps that prepare us for what we're about to watch and i just these are all so strange (laughs) all these recaps are so strange some more than others (laughs) was this one is it the next one that like just shows random scenes from the x-men crossover but like doesn't actually do anything with them i know this this, that's this one this one includes uh x-men's because the next one actually makes a lot of sense as a recap this one it includes X-Men stuff when it, it very much doesn't need to. I think it, it serves only to remind people that the X-Men crossover happened and that you should watch it, which I don't think was even possible at the time. So I don't know why you would include them. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe just to be like, this came after this one. That This episode I, I came after that episode. I don't know. It's weird. It's not like recaps or it. I know like serialization wasn't like super 
super all over the place in 1995, but it's not like recaps were a totally new concept. So it's weird that they right. seem to be having a hard time figuring out how to do them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I wonder, like, sometimes recaps aren't made by the people who are writing the episode themselves. That's true. So I don't know what the relationship to the recaps is for these episodes because they don't feel super consistent, which makes me think they're not a network recap. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know in any case that. that's a lot of recap talk <laughs> <laughs> um the episode itself opens with spider-man attempting to stop a trio of burglars one of whom i will point out is probably the same burglar that tried to take felicia's purse because he's wearing the same outfit oh yep mm. but yeah right interesting hmm. he's wearing that cool uh i'm gonna call it a weezer sweatshirt even though it very clearly is not a weezer sweatshirt <laughs> Um, but, uh, but he fails to do so because he begins to experience this excruciating internal pain on the sides of his body, which we will see over the course of these next two episodes. Um, the trio decides to take advantage of the opportunity to try to kill Spider-Man, uh, because what a glorious moment that would be. But the police actually intervene and Spidey is able to thwip away from the scene, but still in pain. When the guy approach like the guy approaches him. It's weird that they like get out of the car to like check on him, and then they're and then and then he's like, "Oh, he's sick." The guy's like, "You sick or something? Maybe <laughs> you need to get your shots." <laughs> you milked you milked your one moment, buddy. Huh. All right. Good job, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, later on, we see Spidey visit Dr. Mariah Crawford to check in on her research and also to tell her about how painful his sides are. Mm-hmm. Dr. Crawford explains that she's making progress on a treatment serum, but a cure is not guaranteed and they need to wait until the research is complete. She claims that this unfinished serum, even though it looks like it might work right now, it could actually strip Spider-Man of his powers or destroy him, quote unquote, altogether. Yes. And we this so this scene in general is fascinating because it's interesting to dissect a little bit because the next thing that happens is like Spider-Man rage mode. Yikes. Yeah. And and some of it is understandable and some of it's questionable and some of it is uh, sort of like normal rage and some of it is like awkwardly intelligent manipulative rage. (laughs) Like so. It's 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 very strange. Basically, like, Dr. Crawford says, no, you can't have it. I can't give it to you in good conscience. She says specifically, in good conscience, because it's unfinished and we don't know what's going to happen. And Spider-Man's first sort of reaction to this is to, this is how I interpreted it at least, is, like, to emotionally manipulate her with, like, Craven-related, like, whataboutism, basically mm-hmm. saying, like, but what about that time you gave Craven that cure? Like, you didn't test that cure and that worked out. Which uh, ignores the fact that, like, people can grow and that she might have learned from that experience. And... Yeah, wasn't the whole, the whole, the whole point of those, of that episode was that that was a bad thing to do? Like, I don't. You know? Don't... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason that she ended up helping him was because she made the mistake in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. And it's like, it's almost, almost, but not nearly close enough So maybe not even almost. It's like in the same country as building her up to say, like, I trust you, though. Like, we don't need to do all these tests because you're a good scientist. Remember when it worked? But it's not nearly explicitly enough that to not feel like emotional manipulation. It was a weird route. (laughs) If that was his point, it was a very strange and aggressive and mean route to take to get to that point. Yeah, mean is a good word because, like, I understand the sort of, like, anger element of it because we've seen plenty of circumstances where, like, 
where either Peter himself or other villains sort of experience a horrendous thing and then rage out as a result, that's understandable. Sure. This is like surprisingly conscious decision making <laughs> given that yeah. he's supposed to just be like mad <laughs> yeah it's very very mean it's really i'm not i'm not i don't like this scene very much i think it's yeah. just really it's uncomfortable it doesn't and I, and and if it is supposed to be fully uncomfortable like i would get that like I, they're they sort of um they call back to it later where peter kind of recognizes that he's being a jerk about everything but yeah. like there's a difference between him being super laser focused and like distracted by pain and and like willing to lash out because of that which i get that i mean if you oh, just yeah. like if your back hurts one day and someone's being mildly annoying like <laughs> i get i get that oh yeah I, <laughs> but <laughs> but like the links that but yeah like you said the really calculated manipulation that then sort of isn't manipulation but it's still clearly manipulation and also like literally throwing stuff around like it's yeah they needed to kind of pick one thing or another and commit to it it's a weird mishmash that makes him just feel like really manic but like not in an in-character manic just like a manic manically written kind of way yeah because it's not like this is a thing he's going through that has been established to give him sort of like a new attitude that he's struggling with in the way that the symbiote does. Like they always make it very clear that he's like, there's an internal struggle between his two kinds of behavior. When the symbiote is involved, this is not established, nor does it continue along this route. So it's not like we are, it's not reinforced to be like, oh, that's what happens when you turn into man spider. (laughs) Yeah. The the most that we get like later on, and I think it's in the next episode is when he just like, he like answers the phone kind of meanly. Like that's about it. Yeah. Well, that's the only way he answers the phone when Mary Jane calls. So (laughs) a good good point. (laughs) (laughs) I I did want to, I did want to throw out, I do think that this episode does have some, it's not, it's a pretty like kind of subpar animation wise, Uh but they do throw in some nice little details and like, character yeah. business um like i really like as uh as dr crawford's explaining the serum stuff she's like tapping her pencil on the computer monitor mm-hmm. small little detail but like i like it and they even like add the foley of the tapping on the computer monitor it's like stuff like that that they did not need to do but it just gives the scene a little more flavor yeah yeah and i like when they do that stuff even in spite of like having really obviously constrained animation and and like Stuff that clearly working on uh, time constraints, like how I feel with the scene after this, the way that it's cut. Mm, I don't know if you yep. noticed it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how you don't notice it. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Did we finish? He, he, he manipulated her. Do we actually finish what he does at the end of this? At the I end mean, of that last scene? I mean, you mentioned he throws a bunch of stuff around and then like a guard sort of shows up and she does eventually like give him a vial of the serum, but basically says like, you know, you're kind of turning into the monster that you're trying not to turn into. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe I won't be a jerk anymore, but still (laughs) takes the serum and like flips off. Yeah. So it's like very confusing end to the scene because it's not like he's, it's not like he's fully understanding what just happened, but he kind of alludes to like hearing her at least even if he's not listening yeah. i don't know it's it's a weird way to end it if they if they committed to him like throughout the episode just being like just super distracted and like all over the place and like on a hair trigger yeah i i wouldn't have a problem with it but they don't really like he just kind of ebbs and flows the entire time this is the only scene where he's so frantic yeah i think it would have made more sense if he stole it because i i don't like that his behavior is like rewarded 
Yeah. It's very weird. It's like a weird choice from the writers to be like, yeah, he he succeeded in this. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and he also feels <laughs> and it also like there's no way to not frame Crawford as any kind of victim because she's such a passive person, the way that she's written and portrayed mm-hmm. in a way that like I respect it sometimes where like she has kind of a bizarrely cool head f- yeah. with a lot of the stuff that happens. But it also it's like she's not <laughs> she's being extremely reasonable with you through all of this. And you yeah. are just being a like a man baby (laughs) right right he could have just like insisted a bunch and she probably still would have been like all right fine you're making a choice like (laughs) i'm not gonna fight you too much right but yeah it's 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 a strange ending to that scene i think (laughs) a strange ending to a strange scene yes leading into another strange scene oh my god strange for like different reasons oh for sure um so this one is at esu michael and deborah are are walking to esu and debating how long to spend working in the lab Michael's uh, all about like, oh, I work all night. Uh, I'm so great. And Deborah's like, I'm tired and I'm going to go home and you're weird. Um, uh, very pro Deborah in that argument. I know, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's very much like he's he's pretty much like the, the workaholic, like any true artist or true uh, <laughs> successful person can only do it by like starving themselves and make, yeah. driving themselves insane and <laughs> having uh, zero so self-care. <laughs> At least it's science and not. I don't know. Being some in a, sort of being in like a writer's room until yeah. like four AM and keeping your writers from their families. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the stories that I hear of like the, the, the uh, classic Simpsons writing room. Oh no. It's wild. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's working alone so at least he's not in charge of a, uh, a team yeah That's that would true. be so much worse <laughs> he's not dragging anyone else down with him that Aye. said now this scene seems very simple but it is the most disorienting scene that i've ever seen on a cartoon i don't understand <laughs> it's so weird i don't understand they, the the simple way to describe it is they just cut back and forth constantly from an overhead shot of them walking to like a medium shot of them and they just cut back and forth constantly and the thing that makes it even more disorienting than that would already be is that like they still have the characters making like hand movements as they talk but uh-huh. then when they cut to overhead they're cutting to a, a previous shot so you don't see like the hands being where they were before and again that that's going to happen sometimes i get that sure but it happens multiple times back and forth in rapid succession very quickly yeah am i also wrong to to feel like it's more disorienting to have the overhead shot being them walking from left to right instead of from bottom to top yeah i feel yeah. like overhead scenes of driving or walking or running are almost always sort of like as if your character were driving or running towards the top of your screen and mm-hmm. that feels natural and having it rotated 45 degrees or 90 degrees rather is there's there was something really bizarre about it and i yeah. i don't know why it's bizarre other than maybe it's just not common but i don't know yes. there was something strange maybe i'm discounting number of scenes that do that but I, it just felt weird I didn't think about that but in my head yeah it does it is a weird looking overhead shot i i think yeah, I don't know. It's sort of like if if you really had ran into an issue and needed coverage, totally get that. You know but- what it is? I just figured it out. What? It's the fact that they're walking in, in, in the overhead shot. They're walking towards the right side of your screen, <gasps> which means that they should be walking towards the right side of your screen when they cut to a normal shot. Yeah. But instead, so like if it were an overhead shot, you would have them walking towards the top of your screen or the bottom of your screen. And then you could cut to their faces as if you just rotated your camera on one axis. But what they're doing is they're rotating the camera on two axes, which is dizzying. So not yeah. only are they rotating it on the axis of from above them 
to on the same level as them they're also rotating it on a on a uh an axis perpendicular to that so you're just sort of like spinning you're it's, right it's so weird because i don't think the overhead shot would be as disorienting if they cut to them as if they were walking on the sidewalk and you saw the buildings behind them you know what yeah. i mean yeah as if you were if you were perpendicular to the sidewalk but that's not what they do yeah, it's it's like when if if you watch a movie and they don't match eye lines correctly, yes. it's like it just feels disorienting because you because that's your only sense of space is where the characters are looking off screen, Ugh. and if they're not looking in the same place, like each time the shot alternates, you're just you just feel like you're just mm-hmm. like floating in space and no like you feel nowhere mm. and it takes you right out. And, and it's even worse here because that's coupled that's coupled with the cuts just being so rapid and 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 just like constantly back and forth. Yeah, it's like a slide that you go back and forth on to make sure people can like see both things. Like, don't <laughs> <Yeah>. forget. <laughs> yeah, if if they had if they had an issue with coverage, I would have rather them just do their typical thing where they just like repeat the same frames just like super slowly and have yeah. the lip sync just totally off like. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying, but at least yeah. it wouldn't be totally disorienting. Because I was just like, I didn't even catch what they were saying half the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like creating an additional problem yeah. as opposed to just dealing with the challenge you had in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I, that said, I mean, the more I watch this show, the more I can't imagine what it has to be like working as an animator under whatever crazy constraints that they were under, whether oh, yeah. it was, I mean, obviously they were under time constraints and had no money, apparently. It's just like, I just can't imagine what kind of decisions you have to make. I, mean, I have to wonder that someone was just like, it was like super late at night as they're cutting this together and yeah. are just like, okay, let's just, let's just do that. I want to go home. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I think, I think the fact that we can see their problem solving speaks to the fact that there were very obvious challenges along the way. So like, yeah. I think you just have to acknowledge like, yeah, they they had to overcome some stuff, even if we don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't envy the editors on this show, nope. and I don't envy the animators. No, <laughs> it, definitely not the editors, especially. Yeah. I think, yeah. considering they can only do what what they have to work with. Right. Yeah, they can't add anything. Right. All right. So yeah. So th- I guess to to <laughs> to rewind for like. I don't know. We probably talked about that for like three minutes, but uh, Michael decides to work all night. That's kind of like the big takeaway from that. Um, inside the lab, a now sort of calmed down Peter, and they, I think they sort of allude to the fact that he's calmed down. I think it's supposed to be obvious that he's like cooled off, mm-hmm. decides to test the serum on a sample of his blood instead of just like straight shooting it, which is good. <laughs> good yeah. job. Smart. But he gets suspicious when he hears a noise nearby. Um, he actually hears a couple noises. There's like a weird ghost door opening. Yeah. I, I thought that we were going to see Michael walk through it, but he doesn't. Nope. <laughs> nope. So anyway, he gets like suspicious because these weird sort of like uh, paranormal. I, I would be misrepresenting it to call it paranormal, but it feels paranormal. <laughs> um, things happening. And so he like decides that while he's waiting for the blood to do its thing or the serum to do its thing, he's going to put put it in his locker and lock it. But before he can actually secure the sample in his locker, he ends up experiencing that side pain again and decides like, forget this, I got to go home because this hurts a lot. So he does not actually take care to lock his locker. Mm-hmm. When he like goes and sees that uh, the mouse, the lab rat was making noise, he mentions mm-hmm. that the rat's name is Mickey, which is funny considering <laughs> who owns Spider-Man now. Ah, yes. A premonition, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Funny or terrifying, uh, depending oh, on the perspective yeah. that you have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very awkward. 
not awkward, just like the, all the ghost stuff is weird. But I guess it is like their <laughs> Halloween episode, basically. So that's throw true. In, yeah. Throw in some weird ghosts for no reason. Yeah. I'm sure it was supposed to be something that just like didn't play out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so after he stumbles home, Michael enters the lab right after he leaves and he steals the blood sample from Peter's locker because he thinks that Peter is up to something very secretive to get his science grant. And I guess Michael has like no scruples whatsoever. Mm, I guess like, I guess maybe (laughs) Michael was listening at the door. Is that why the door was open? Because he like seems to instantly know that Peter was up to something and he goes straight to his locker. So I guess that's gotta be what it is. Maybe that's my understanding. Yeah, it's not explicit, but I think that that's the best way to to read it. It is still like, I mean, I guess we learn later about his, how he's doing a lot of this out of like desperation for his country and stuff. So it makes a little more sense that he's like willing to go to extra lengths for this stuff. But it is still like wild that he's just like, all right, I'm going to steal this guy's project. Cool. Oh, in real time, you're like, what the hell? Like, (laughs) are you, you have like no scientific morals whatsoever? (laughs) Right, right. So he looks at the uh, at the blood sample and he like he's under the impression that Peter's project has been to engineer the DNA that's like in the blood sample. So he's his he's used neogenics to like change the DNA, which is, you know, what happened to Spider-Man's blood in real life. So it makes sense that he would come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. But this, of course, makes him realize that he can win Dr. Connors' contest and he vows to beat Peter to the punch. Yes, I. So the first time I watched this, I didn't catch the fact that he believed Peter had engineered the blood to be represented the way that he was viewing it. So mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell?" Like Michael Morbius knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man now. Like, why is none of this being addressed? And then when I rewatched it, I was like, "Oh, okay, there is a subtle, subtle thing in there." <laughs> like, yeah, well, when sort I of think clarifying it's... that he he believes this is this is genetically engineered blood that didn't come out that way from Peter's body. Well, and even if it came out of Peter's body, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily tell him that he was Spider-Man anyway, because he doesn't know that Spider-Man was created by Neogenics. And it's not like the blood sample has like cute little spider, spider animations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair (laughs) point. Yeah. That's, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. Singing and dancing spider blood. (laughs) That's cute. I want to go to that, that, that universe in the Spider-Verse because it has to exist. Yes, yes. Yeah. Infinite possibilities. Mm-hmm. So in order to actually beat Peter to the punch, we learn that Michael is setting up a makeshift lab in an abandoned tower that is either on or very nearby to campus. And he's using equipment that he's stolen from Dr. Connor's lab, including, by the way, the Neogenic Recombinator. What? There are so many giant power consoles uh-huh. and stuff there. How? What? How? What? That's he's, how all that equipment. What did you <laughs> have? What, what? He's not super powered yet. So he didn't pick them up. He has no team with him. He's working alone and in secret. <laughs> and these things are huge and I don't know, dangerous. So like, how did this happen? How did he pull this off? How did he get them up the stairs? <laughs> it's a weird, weird yeah. choice. Even so weird, he even says that he's a, uh, He's like using the school's power. Like he's like he had, uh, like uh, like attached the school's electricity to that building or something. He's so proud of himself. <laughs> so proud of himself. He's siphoning electricity from campus. But if he's on campus, that's already the I electricity. Like it's, it's so I, strange. Is Doctor what? <laughs> what's Doctor Connor's going to think when he shows up and realizes that his lab is lit, ransacked? Like so. Michael- that's a thing, though. He says like. I'll put it back before Dr. Connors returns. Where did Dr. Connors go? 
Or did he move all this to this lab, figuring he can return it back in, like, 12 hours? Like, I, I don't if know. If Dr. Connors is gone, <laughs> why isn't he doing this in Dr. Connors' empty lab? I don't... Exactly! I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Michael, what are you doing? <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> all this exposition comes... Because uh, Felicia, he's he's invited Felicia over to this like abandoned tower um, that she's understandably creeped out by because he didn't oh, yeah. tell her ahead of time that it would be covered in <laughs> spider webs and vampire bats. Yeah, and she's like, uh, "What?" After passionately kissing, I should say. Then she asks him, "Surprise kissing," <laughs> we should say, uh, sneaking so up awesome. on her, turning her around, and surprise kissing her. <laughs> she like screams uh-huh. like, more than once uh-huh. uh, upon entry to this. Yeah, surprise kisses her. And then she's like, what in the world? Well, you're still hot. And they still like make out for a while. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, Felicia, there's a few red flags here that I think that you're missing, but yeah, mm, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess if you're into like the tall, dark, like vaguely European dudes, uh, whatever. Yeah. That's, uh, that's your thing. I could, I totally understand that. And choosing to ignore, I think, is probably more appropriate. She sees the sign. She's looking directly at the signs and the red flag. I mean, she's like watching them wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, she questions Michael about his methods. He kind of explains to her where he got all this stolen slash borrowed technology mm-hmm. from. He insists that, like, it's all going to be worth it, all the effort and the secrecy is worth it because um, the reward to the school will absolve him of any wrongdoing and he's going to do whatever he can to get an edge over his competition. But to do that, he must keep his experiments a secret. Yes. This is where we get the sort of backstory of Michael Morbius and his sort of character motivation that I guess explains a lot of what he's doing. It certainly informs it, some, like, to different... To varying degrees of believability. <laughs> yeah. But his his sort of backstory that he explains to Felicia is that in America, like, you have to have some sort of edge. And he's learned that because he's, you know, he's an immigrant to the United States. Um, and he says that his home, wherever that is, unspecified, um, was plagued by some sort of, like, mysterious viral illness. And because nobody is especially wealthy or privileged where he's from, he feels like he has to do something about it. And the only way to do that is to come to the United States, get an education, find a cure, and then bring that back to his country um, or village, I guess, specifically. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like I'm very into this part of the story, Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's so outside the realm of what this show typically does. The reason he like goes into this whole thing is because Felicia's like, you don't need to do all this. And he basically says, yeah, but you don't get it because you're rich. Like, you've never had to do anything like this. Where I come from, no one even has the opportunity to do things like this. It's sort of one of those, like, it's a miracle I got to this point types of things, and I'm not going to blow it. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. I love that part of the story. It just it manifests in weird ways sometimes. <laughs> it does. It does. But yeah, like you said, I really like that, that, that angle of, like, calling out specifically, like, no one's going to help my people because no one's rich and powerful, so no, therefore yeah. no one cares. And the fact that he's paired with Felicia throughout all of this, who is the mm-hmm. most, like, well-off and wealthy character that, that we've met that's in the main cast, other than, like, Harry, I guess. Sure. And, and, and I think that and that's a really cool thing that they're doing. I can't imagine that much gets done with it going forward because how, Ugh, how much can this show delve into that? But to acknowledge it is is pretty big, um, mm-hmm. especially given like how much the word privilege is in our lexicon now and yeah. wasn't necessarily 
thrown out to that extent back then. Mm-hmm. It's a it's hmm. a good conversation to be had, like about <laughs> the 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 places that you know are are just completely like screwed over or ignored or like denied just like basic humanity just because there's not money there, which is like a, obviously like a, a reality yeah. in the world. Yeah, it's unfortunate that like this is the character that ends up with that backstory <laughs> because of yeah. like the ultimate sort of fate of this character, right? Because like. Uh-huh. I love that story. I think it's a really important type of story to tell and can can sort of inf- inform a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it manifests in a character who is, one, a villain, and two, a vampire that literally leeches off of oh, God. Like, their victims. And he's an immigrant to the United States. Like, it's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it's incidentally weird it's certainly i don't think even in the original creation of this character this was meant to be like a commentary on you know immigration i'd be horrified to find out that that was true i I don't think that's what it is well and and i think he's a tragic villain too like clearly like and they're not of all the villains that we've seen even um i mean we don't really see him fully just be like i'm evil now like everything that he's doing is through like an uncontrollable like hunger or like still having some desire to turn back to normal even just in this episode you know that's true it's good that they clarify that a number of times because he otherwise turns into like a spooky scary monster guy yeah um which typically we would just sort of be like (laughs) yeah like it it could be something that's problematic but i don't think that it plays like that because he's never played as just being a monster he's only a monster because no no one's really helping him <laughs> in the way that they need to yeah he's like a victim of his circumstances and he kind of remains a victim the whole time yeah that's a good point that's, yeah. that's a good point yeah yeah if you did want to argue any commentary i guess it would be more like the way that uh that like uh i don't know like wealth and privilege can put people in like worse positions uh, in, in these positions where they have to like take uh take greater i don't know take greater strides to like to, to do just like things that to do like very basic things just to like i need to get medicine for my family mm-hmm. like to do that and you have to go through like great go to greater lengths to do stuff that like is provided to richer and more powerful people and going to those great lengths sometimes can lead to like bad things which is why you know a lot of people that are in poverty are driven to yeah. crime no, not a, because ooh. they're bad people but because like they're in circumstances where the only way they can survive is by committing crime to survive yes and then he's like literally demonized he's turned into a monster as a result that's like how people now view him no that that actually makes the story even more uh interesting and probably a better commentary like than the sort of initial incidental unfortunate commentary that i was kind of kind of uh tossing around (laughs) but even even the leeching off of people thing that's only that's only a bad thing because he was put in that position where he had to do it and then no one else is like giving him any out to like not have that have to happen like he's not doing it because he wants to do it you know so and and you know it's all based on like perspective and how everyone else is seeing him as this monster when he's just like trying to live whoa um did you just convince me that like morbius is a character i care about i, I think you did might have just convinced myself of that <laughs> i had not thought of any of this um, um this was damn i mean i think your your initial this i think we came to this conclusion together because i hadn't <laughs> thought any deeper until you brought up that initial like yikesy uh read on it (laughs) but i think 
I think there's a lot of layers to it. And I, I can't believe that none of that was intentional. I don't think it was as intentionally as deep as it is, but I have to imagine like something about like immigration and like <laughs> people in poverty had to be on their minds because they call yeah. out wealth and privilege and immigration specifically. I think it's I think it's the 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 sort of basic piece of people who are less privileged have to go to greater lengths. I yeah. I think that's the commentary that they were making and and it it comes with a lot more when you sort of like examine the bits and pieces of the actual villain alter ego that he has. Yeah. And I feel like wasn't wasn't welfare like a big conversation in like the mid to late nineties. I mean, it's a, it's always a big conversation. It's a big right. conversation now, but wasn't that like a major talking point hmm. in like Clinton's election or something? I don't know if the years line up for that, but I feel like, yeah, I don't know, but I feel like all of those ideas of like the, the disparity, uh, like class disparity. Yeah. Versus and maybe, I don't know if immigration, how, how big immigration was in the, in the conversations that it's hard though, to say right now. now, like in 2019, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard yeah. to measure against. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's why I'm like, I don't know. I'm sure I know it was a conversation, but like, what what is a big immigration conversation when the types of immigration conversations we have now are off the wall? So, yeah, yeah. oh, God, I didn't mean to do that pun either. So, oh, geez. Uh, oh, terrible. no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Everything's terrible. <laughs> oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, maybe, maybe we should just <laughs> move away from this <laughs> and you said here in 2019 but technically they're listening to this in 2020 so maybe everything is better in 2020 true and all of this yes. is done with have hope <laughs> yeah right yeah it's not that deep into 2020 <laughs> <laughs> yeah as if it's not gonna get worse anyway uh, let's move on yes oh all right. fun random random thing michael's shirt is like different now than it was in his first oh. two episodes I didn't notice that. What is it? It's 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 he's missing like the all the buttons. It was huh. like a weird lab coat looking oh, thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, and now it's just a shirt with the collar. Like yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Huh. I mean, not a not a strange choice considering like we got a little bit of insight into into some of the character designs and clothing and like the limitations or challenges of like animating it. Mm-hmm. Not a surprise they got rid of buttons. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm glad that they did. Make it simpler. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You don't need all those lines. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, like it was clarified to us outside of the recording of the podcast that Peter's wearing a flannel. Um, I think he was joking. I'm pretty sure that was a joke. You think? I think. I don't know. Now that I look at it, I can't tell. It's the, weird the because it's the... like the collar is not a flannel collar, but I do kind of get where that is coming from like, you don't think there was any sort of like like reality I to that think, claim i think that that was a joke okay i think it was mm. i i wondered the same thing it does make sense though like given the time yeah yeah it makes more sense than the miami vice jacket does anybody wear plaid on the show i'm sure someone does <laughs> i don't know anyway we're in the weeds <laughs> anyway <laughs> so where were we? yeah well uh privilege uh working harder he's come to america he needs an edge all that <laughs> he also mentions um at some point in the scene that he suspects that bats are maybe a carrier of the disease because there's a bat that's escaped and sort of like flying around which freaks felicia out so that's a thing that we should be aware of is that bats are now in the equation yes and she even um he's even he even does the whole like you can trust me thing and she's like it's not it's uh, I, I, you're not the one I'm worried about. It's them I don't trust. As she like scowls at the bats. <laughs> bats get a bad rap, man. Right, right. What, a, what an extra thing to say too. Like. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I guess it fits her her character. Yeah. Yeah. So outside of uh, outside of ESU, Peter attempts and fails to <laughs> evade <laughs> evade Mary Jane. Apparently, he, he in his narration he says he's been like um, he's kind of been avoiding her for the last week or so, um, just because of his mutation disease, and he's just distracted with that, and he doesn't want to like spontaneously mutate in front of her. I guess. But Mary Jane has picked up on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Liz is even like, hey, there's Peter over there. Uh, Mary Jane calls to him and he ignores her, which, you know, understandably is going to kind of piss her off. It's funny that he like hasn't picked up on the fact that, well, I guess it's it's not surprising, though. But it is funny that he hasn't picked up on the fact that Mary Jane's superpower is literally like social skills. <laughs> I know, right. You cannot trick her. It doesn't right. work. <laughs> right, right. Well, later that evening in his makeshift lab, Michael is still working, as he said he would be, uh, but he's stumped by how Peter has managed to create, in air quotes, this mutated blood sample. He doesn't get it. Um, So in a last-ditch effort to try to understand the sample in some way, he decides to expose it to the Neogenic Recombinator. Um, And he he acknowledges that, like, he's sort of out of solution, so this is extreme. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, during the process, an escaped bat, uh, really got to keep those bats in line there, Michael, uh, (laughs) drinks the blood that is being exposed to the Neogenic Recombinator beam and then bites Michael when he tries to, like, shoo it away, which, as we know, is going to result in some sort of transformation. Uh-huh. And in this case, it's a sort of version of Michael with pale skin and claws and wild hair and a bat-like nose. It's Morbius. <laughs> oh, no. It's so funny that his actual last name is Morbius. I know. It's weird. <laughs> it is weird. It is very, I mean, it's very comic booky. Sure. And it, it, is, it is, I appreciate him, like, at first he's just like, oh, I feel good. Whoa, I can fly. This is awesome. And it's not until, you know, the, the suckers on his hands that are, like, pulsating, uh, like little buttholes, are, like, <laughs> that he is actually repulsed by everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so the, he's, he's literally, like, like exploring his powers and he's like wow i'm i feel so strong and i can hear everything and my senses are amazing and i can fucking fly Mm -hmm. and then he sees himself in the in the window and is like oh no but i'm ugly i must change myself back (laughs) what (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. the ugliness thing is lame i understand seeing holes in your hands and being like "Mm, this is less cool than i thought it was this is more than i thought i was getting myself into (laughs) it's kind of a nightmare for people with uh i'm like what is the what is the phobia of like holes and things? Oh, the tryptophobia or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Which I definitely I I feel like I I definitely have a, like a little bit of. I can't look at some pictures of things, but yeah, yeah, it's got to be a nightmare <laughs> for that. Fun fact: my mm-hmm. shower head would absolutely trigger that for people, and really? I don't understand. It made me look at shower heads differently because that whole aisle in the hardware store must be like a nightmare for people. Oh yeah, man! I didn't think about that because it looks like one of those plants. Ugh. Yeah, Ooh. it's very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Um. I was gonna say. Uh. Oh. 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 I know what I was gonna say that is like the one. Um. One bit of trivia that's just like there isn't like a particular quote for it. It's all pretty well known. But mm-hmm. that like this weird hand sucking stuff just came from the network, just not wanting them to have Morbius sucking blood like a vampire, like he does. He does that in the comics, just like a regular vampire. But this way is way more horrifying. I feel like. It definitely is. And and the whole like um, creating 
solutions for things they can't show on the show is like very present in these two episodes. Uh-huh. But you're you're super right. This is gross and yeah. it's horrifying for Michael himself. It's horrifying for victims. It's horrifying for witnesses. Like gross. <laughs> it's so I'm gross. Fascinated <laughs> by like how they came up with this of all things, of all ways to circumvent a vampire sucking blood. This is what you come up with? like Because there are literally, like, chi vampires. Like, there's mythology uh-huh. for the idea that some vampires are just energy vampires. They suck out your life force. So to, I, I know that calling it plasma is probably meant to sort of obscure what's actually happening. Because as a child, yeah. I did not understand how blood worked. So I didn't realize he was literally sucking plasma out of their bodies through their skin Mm -hmm. i thought plasma was like chi energy that's what i thought he was doing but as an adult like this is terrifying (laughs) yeah Yeah, it is it's like someone just like happened in the writer's room or whatever or happened to be like looking at a book that had leeches in it and it's like Uh, i know what to do guys (laughs) i got it i got it uh, I think I'd be friends with that person. Uh, right? It's it's not a bad idea. It made it's it's a very iconic thing from this show. I think because oh, yeah. you don't freaking see anything else like that. Like nope. little p- sucker, he leech things on people's hands. Like that's not that's not a thing that happens. So it's really <laughs> it's really brilliant. Honestly, yeah. it's just gross. And well, the yeah, other, how do you forget butthole hands? <laughs> butthole hands, exactly. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting. weird is like they did that because obviously they didn't want blood to be on Mm -hmm. the show too much but the way that they like use blood slash plasma like the way that they throw out the words and alternate them is weird yeah because there are points when they explicitly avoid to say the word blood like felicia doesn't say blood when she is like but don't vampire bats blank and michael morius cuts her off and only set and like just keeps on bailing through but a the theme song says blood in it and b there are a couple of other points when they refer to the blood sample as blood so i think the general rule is like if it's science or if it's medical they can talk about blood but that's what i'm thinking they're kind of preventing them from using blood in any sort of like violent or in these circumstances certainly like cannibalistic way (laughs) like (laughs) right right yeah, it's but I would I would be curious to see if it is always specifically medical or like science related. And I think that it is because I the spider blood thing is sort of the like just on the line, right? Because you do um, understand that like it's a spider bite, and do they does does he bleed when the spider bites him? I don't no, think they he don't does. show it. Uh uh-uh. uh no, no, it's no. just like that little pinch. <laughs> right. So yeah, no, that makes. I think that makes sense. I think you're right, and every moment that I remember works with that delineation. So, which is funny because personally, for me, like blood only bothers me in medical and science settings. Oh, like blood <laughs> bothers me far more when it's in a tube or a bag hmm. than when it's just like on a paper towel. Like it's a very strange inversion of I think the the sort of reaction people have interesting interesting blood's just weird body horror stuff is so interesting yeah because i can i love i love like a lot of body horror stuff but i don't Mm -hmm. like gore and those things overlap a lot and it's hard to know what the line is but i know what my personal line is when i'm actually watching it i just can't describe what that line is nope you just feel it (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird it's really am i lightheaded or not (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is for me and blood Oh, man, this is the grossest episode ever. Yep, 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 yep. So, 
So Morbius exists now. While Spider-Man is having a self-reflective conversation with Bruce the Gargoyle. Hey, what's mm-hmm. up, Bruce? Uh, Morbius explores what the transformation has done to him. Like we said, he's uh, he's stronger, has super senses, he can fly, but he's ugly. So oh, no. um, now he has to figure out how to turn himself back. His hands, uh, just, to, just to clarify, his hands have five holes on each of them. <laughs> yes, which is and an infuriating number for it's some an reason. Infuriating number because it's like a, yeah, I think because it's uneven and they're kind of in random places on his hand. So yeah. you can't even have like nice symmetry. It's just like everything about it is gross. Well, um, if it were five, but there was one at the base of each finger, I don't think it would bother me. But that's not how it's laid out. Yeah. Yeah. And with his butthole hands, he starts experiencing a <laughs> hunger that he doesn't understand, but he just uh, knows that like he flex. has it. Yep, yep, yep. They're like yep. little sphincters on his hands. Uh, <laughs> so gross. Uh, yeah. Uh. Oh, man. Well, he goes off flying away to satisfy that hunger. Blech, blech. <sighs> yes. Well, as a result of this hunger, he ends up... Uh, this is interesting to me because it's all... This implies that it's all sort of instinctive. And I think that's that's obviously how it's supposed to be. But he just, like, attacks a student and learns that the holes on his hands allow him to absorb the plasma, like we said, um, from others through their skin Ugh. in order to feed himself. Uh, and that's a thing he just sort of, like, learns by literally, like, putting hands on this, this like, random college student um, on campus. <laughs> Who ends up having, like, horrifying, like sucker marks on his face (laughs) like they didn't just have him pass out like there's a there's a specific result of that which there are some like bystanders and like oh no he looks really sick (laughs) no dude (laughs) sure (laughs) (sighs) although i guess i have no idea like what you'd think it was other than hives um that's true like like oh no you got attacked by multiple flying leeches (laughs) (laughs) oh god flying leeches no I don't know exactly what point I wrote this note, but it looks like it aligns with this. And my note is just all caps. Everything is so much worse with Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Hands are worse with Morbius. Uh, blood, plasma, worse when Morbius is involved. <laughs> Buttholes, honestly. I mean. So much worse with Morbius. <laughs> really nothing he can't ruin. Yep. Oh, boy. So Spider-Man returns to campus. Um, he's he decided to talk to that he wants to talk to Mary Jane. He refers to himself for the first time in two episodes. Like he'll say it. I think it's in the next episode that we've already watched. Mm-hmm. He refers to himself as feeling like a heel, yeah. which is a very particular like f- phrase that not many people say, and he says it twice back to in back to back episodes. Yes, yeah, not even in the same episode. Like twice in one episode, I would just attribute that to like a specific writer using their own lingo. I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. But we'll get to that next week. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so he returns to campus. He wants to talk to Mary Jane. And he instead finds Morbius attacking a second student. He's still hungry. I go yep. back for seconds too, dude. I understand. Mm-hmm. Morbius flees, of course, and Spider-Man pursues him. And they battle on a nearby roof. Um, Spider-Man's pain returns, of course. Always the worst timing. And Morbius nearly attacks him before shouting, no, I cannot, and flying away. (laughs) Yeah, he has these very interesting moments of, like, struggle, where he's like, I'm hungry, but I can't do this, but I'm hungry, but I can't do this. And it's interesting how many of them, like, sort of revolve around Spider-Man specifically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the thing I think of sort of in comparison or sort of that's similar to this is... 
like Parasite and Superman. Like Superman's kind of the perfect person for Parasite, right? Because he can just like sort of infinitely kind of like suck energy from Superman. I don't know enough about Superman and Parasite to know how that works, but like I would think it's similar in this case. He doesn't know that yet, but I would imagine he probably could get more from Spider-Man with less of a destructive result. Yeah, I don't remember if I don't remember if he ever actually does or not or what happens if or when he does. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be curious to see if they address that cuz they're obviously avoiding having to deal with that at this point. Yeah, that is a yeah. thing Parasite does, right? I didn't just like attribute that no, to the wrong yeah. villain. Yeah, you're, you're, you're totally, you're totally right. I don't know a ton okay, about good. Parasite either, but yeah, you're totally, uh, you're totally right from my understanding. I was very disappointed to learn that like Parasite is not that big a deal, right? In like the overall mm-hmm. Superman canon, because mm-hmm. he was like one of my favorite villains on that show. Yeah, he was really cool on the on the cartoon. It's, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's like a minor one. Huh. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So Morbius flies away and Spider-Man is is left with his tape recorder on the rooftop. There's even a little like sparkle on it that looks like <laughs> when you're looking for a quest item in a video game. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so he notices the tape recorder and he listens to it and he pretty much just gets like every bit of exposition we've already been given off of that since Michael has been narrating all of his experiments on this tape recorder. Amateur. Right? (laughs) He's not like an intentional villain, so it's really not not a point against him. (laughs) Yeah, right. So Spider-Man understands, oh, it's Michael. Oh, God, he used my blood to, to, to turn himself into this, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't really actually want this. I'm going to stop and save him. Typical Peter Parker shit. <laughs> I created oh. this problem. <laughs> yep, yep. Is this the uh, is this the point when he ref- he actually says out loud "neogenic nightmare"? Uh, yes, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. It's he's the like, title of the episode. <laughs> it's the title of the season. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's in the same neogenic nightmare that I'm in. Yes, so. this is. Yeah, you're right. That is uh, that is explicitly called out. What yeah. do you think came first, the title of the arc or that line? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, actually. Because it's a good line. If somebody wrote it, I could see them being like, ah, that's it. Yeah. And I wonder if the titles of other seasons ever get called out Hmm. within those seasons, too, or if this is like a one-time thing. Interesting. Interesting. We'll find out. We'll have to keep an eye out. You're out for that. Yeah, well, Spider-Man ends up searching a couple places. He searches the Empire State Labs. He searches Michael's dorm room, which has like a candelabra in it because of course. Michael. <laughs> but he doesn't find him. And so he kind of thinks like, where would I go if I were in a situation? Because like, I am kind of in the same situation. And he realizes like, well, Peter wishes he could be with Mary Jane. So Morbius probably thinks like, I got to seek out Felicia. And he's he's right just not on the right timeline so Mm -hmm. peter decides to out of suit visit felicia to basically give her a warning um but i would argue does a very terrible job (laughs) it's so bad it's so bad it's so terrible at first i was like okay he's not being specific because secret identity stuff blah 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 but this is not one of those cases like he very easily could have been like michael's research went wrong something happened and it's bad like you got to stay away from him Um, he probably could have even gotten pretty specific because there's so much evidence along the way. And he's presenting all this as Peter, a classmate and fellow scientist. Like mm-hmm. he's not he's not exposing himself in any way, shape or form yeah. by giving Felicia details. But because he doesn't, Felicia's like, screw off, Peter. Like, you're just being a jealous jerk. <laughs> yeah. He's literally got a tape recorder. with. Yes! Well, I guess it's like, I, don't, I mean, I guess. I guess the fear with the tape recorder is that it, he's talking specifically about Parker's bl- 
blood sample. But okay. even then, everyone thinks that it's – Michael thinks that it's his science project. That's how he refers to it. Peter yeah. can easily write it off as being this was my project, my, my secret project. True. We all got secret projects, whatever. Like <laughs> that part doesn't really matter. He's got the proof. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's so – bad at it and he's so like aggro and he's always been so aggro with her <laughs> anyway that for her like it probably doesn't seem out of character for him yeah. to just bust in and do this weird toxic masculine bullshit so like true. <laughs> her all of her reactions are on point i think oh the way that she responds yes. to him and she literally threatens to call the police if he doesn't get out which it's like you go Finally, girl yeah treat him like the creep he is <laughs> <laughs> Felicia is the real hero of the story. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, see, I, I've mentioned, like, that's been my realization as an adult, is that Felicia is actually right all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so, God, so awkward. Immediately after that, though, like, literally, like, literally, as soon as she kicks Peter out, yeah. she's just like, wow, that was weird. <laughs> Morbius shows up. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, vampire Morbius, of course. Right. So Felicia doesn't recognize him. Um, he just, like, floats right on in through her open window. He's seeking help, but, of course, he's also hungry, so he's, like, struggling with his temptation. He wants to absorb Felicia's plasma, and and he does, uh, he does like stop himself from doing it um saying that he would never hurt her but again just like with the lizard episode peter has the worst timing because <laughs> he just he, he he heard this he heard her scream so he swings right in literally as soon as morbius is like okay i'm gonna calm down I'm yeah gonna figure this out felicia yep. can help me spider-man kicks him and they fight of, of course Right, he was too busy changing, so he didn't hear Michael explicitly state he wouldn't hurt Felicia. <laughs> explicitly. <sighs> this is like super vampire stuff, though, right? Like the mm-hmm. whole, like, uh, the sort of intertwined, like, attraction, but also hunger. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, they can't get, like, super duper into it in the way that, like, a lot of vampire media does, which is to sort of make it sexual in nature. This mm-hmm. idea that like my temptation, like physically, but also my love are like getting confused. And as sort of the recipient of that, you can't really interpret like what's real and what's not. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's uh, it's all kind of just barely there for those of us that like get vampire, not, not get vampire stuff. Basically any adult would like get it. Yeah, well, and they do, a, a, I think, a solid job of all the vampire, like, imagery and stuff. Like, him behind her, behind the her, like, sheer curtain yeah. uh, floating there in her window is very vampire. All of his, I mean, and, and Nick Jameson, from the beginning, has been doing a very, like, kind of over-the-top and hammy performance for Michael. <laughs> so it actually is, like, very in character once he's at this point, when he's, like, screaming, like, no, I cannot! Like, yeah. It's silly, but, like, it's totally in character for who has been established. And so yeah. it's a very, like, just super classic, like, black and white universal monster movie kind of vibe to it. And, and I dig that a lot. I think they handle that really well. Yeah, I think because I be, because I didn't know anything and, and still don't really know that much about Morbius in general as a character in the whole canon of things, I forgot how very literal vampire a lot of this stuff is, even though they took out the blood-sucking part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's all very vampire. I just right. thought he was like called a vampire because he did this one thing, but like no, he's just straight up a vampire. <laughs> right, right. Yup. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they's in fisticuffs now, mm-hmm. and he's still desperate for plasma. So he like Morbius attempts to attack Spider-Man with it, but um, but as he does, the sun rises and this like knocks Morbius out and actually transforms him 
right back into plain old human Michael. Yes. And at some point after that, because like there's a, like Felicia doesn't know that it's Michael, right? Like there's a few things going on. I don't think she, she doesn't learn that in this interaction. He's knocked out of the window. So he's then found nearby on the ground and is apparently in a coma. This this development happens like very quickly and over only a couple lines, I think. Mm-hmm. But at some point, he's taken to the hospital because the son has like knocked regular Michael or the fall. I'm not sure which one into a coma. Yeah. But she still doesn't know it's him. Like she still doesn't know that those two things are connected, right? Like that's our she, best understanding. She, no, she does not know those two things are connected. But what she what she finds out later is that everyone sees Spider-Man hovering over this unconscious guy when when they run over and see him. So they think yeah. that Spider-Man has just randomly beaten up this random college kid and then, and then <laughs> ran <laughs> off. Right. Uh. So he's in the hospital now. Um, and it's the following night. Like, I don't know what's happened in these 12 hours that we're not seeing. But Felicia finally shows up to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And ev- the, the next evening, right as su- the sun is going down. So before she can actually see Michael, now that it's nighttime again, he transforms. He wakes up and transforms right back into his vampire form, flies out the window right before she comes in there. Um, and they just assume that he has been kidnapped because how else can a coma patient just disappear? Right. There's like a few things all happening very quickly together. Yes. That's one of them. And and she sort of she sort of decides that like it had to have been Spider-Man because who else could could kidnap someone from the sixth floor? While that realization or theory is developing, Dr. Crawford is still examining the serum and the blood and stuff and has this sort of moment where she's like, "Oh shoot, like this is really bad for the blood." <laughs> she says that it's mutating the cells. Uh, at like an alarming and kind of sudden rate. And she ends up, I, I'm very curious because I don't remember where this ends up, but she calls Craven, like she called, or Sergey. Yeah. To like fill him in. And I don't know yet if that is simply to allow us as viewers to know what she's witnessing or if that comes into play later. Cause I, I just genuinely don't remember, but it's all very quick. She, she, mm-hmm. she witnesses that the serum is, is going haywire and call Sergey to explain it. Yeah, and it's also you know, it sounds like it's it's under the impression that they've been talking about this stuff for a while because yeah. she just calls him and it's like oh no it didn't work or whatever which is yeah, it's like an update. Yeah, it's interesting that they're working together through this, which is cool. I like that Craven's just like a regular ally at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really neat. Um, but yeah, so so uh oh, and back at Peter's bedroom, right after we found out that that the serum is bad and not going to work, Peter mm-hmm. takes the serum. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to talk about this afterwards because the the logic here from how he gets to point A to point B and deciding to take the serum confuses me. Me too. But he does he does take the serum and immediately is in immense pain and grows four extra arms from the side of his body to be continued. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to be continued indeed. <laughs> It'll be a really good discussion for everything that's happening in the next episode, too, because there's a lot of uh-huh. confusing stuff happening in the next episode. So uh, uh-huh. <laughs> to be continued for us as well. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So real quick and then uh, faces the episode and then we'll talk about um, general thoughts of this as usual. I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but I laugh every time I see this dopey ass picture of Michael <laughs> that Felicia has. It tickles me so much when she's just like reading in her apartment. It's just a picture of him. And it's not an uncommon thing, I think, in animation where like when they try to have a 
a picture of someone hanging on their wall or whatever, it's always like an awkward like headshot. Yes. <laughs> like, and it's never of like the couple together. It's just like a headshot of the person. And with Michael's, he's got like a weird like open mouth smile. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. It's like a dopey face, and it's also just like it's just like in a live action TV they do it a lot too, where they have just like a photo of someone, but it's clearly just like their actor headshot, and it's like it just looks so silly. Like you couldn't just take a picture of them. Yeah. Like the the couple together in a park or something like, yeah. But Wouldn't this particular tough. one, it's so dopey. I love it. This is fun composition though because she's she's like reading a book on her couch and mm-hmm. the picture is behind her and the way that they're oriented, you know, the the his face is like looking at her from behind. Yeah, and that's the same window that he ends up yeah. entering into later. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. So it's like doofy, but it's also a cool composition. <laughs> that's a good point. The other one isn't like a bad face or anything. I don't know why. It's just like kind of cute to me. That's just a really good face. It's a good. It's, yeah. It's, it's a. It's a. It's a good. It's a good face. It's like got a, kind of a Home Alone quality to it. It's when. <laughs> uh, it's when Michael first sees his vampire face in in his reflection, and he's got like his nice like manicured fingernails <laughs> against his uh against his cheekbones. Yeah, people pay good money for those nails. Yeah, yeah. He got them for free. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, I mean, they're not much to it. It's just good. Shadows are good. It's just a, it's a, it's a face worth calling out. I think. Yeah, no, I like it. I think it's the kind of face that you should use for like a thumbnail for, you know, or or maybe not a thumbnail, but like if you were doing a collage of all the episodes, like yeah. that would be a good one to to highlight as the one sort of emblematic of this episode. It's better than the one that Disney Plus has currently for it. Oh my gosh, who it's, chose that, and how much are they laughing? Cause it's and it's not even from this episode. That's from like the recap. Because that <laughs> or like a flashback or something. Because that was from the first episode of the season. It's like a, if you go on Disney Plus and see it, it's of Michael walking and laughing, and his hands like kind of doing that like the limp thing, like in yeah. front of his chest. Like it's just really awkward. Yeah, their their expressions are super doofy too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so funny. Yes. So this episode as a whole. What what are your feelings on it? Because especially Peter's final thing with his serum, I have a really hard time understanding how like what what that's about. Okay, well, I like the episode more now that we've talked about it, but that is entirely on the side of Michael Morbius. Yeah. I really like what they did with him, especially given the restraints that they have telling the story of that character. Because uh, there's a lot they're not allowed to do that they have to work around, but they still managed to make him a really cool, compelling character in a way that I just definitely didn't appreciate before. I, I, I just don't. Yeah. Peter sucks in this episode in very (laughs) weird ways. Yeah. I, I get hard to follow. Right. I want to, like, I think the broadest interpretation is that he's just like going through a lot of shit and can't handle his shit. Like I get that, but it's just like, it's it's portrayed in these like fragmented like individual moments that don't line up like the way that his manicness and his um his like frustration and distraction just manifests are all like wildly different sometimes within the same scene and it's not in a way where it seems like oh he's just all over the place like no it's the character is is like written all over the place like it's not yeah. like yeah, and, and it's sort of like, I wish, I, I appreciate the idea of him just like not figuring, not knowing how to process like what he's going through. Sure. But it's like he just either comes off being like a jerk, a a, uh, a, a dangerous, violent jerk, or just like 
someone where you, who's just making extremely rash decisions for no reason, but then also rationalizing it and also being calcula- calculating and manipulative. Like it's got to go one way or another. Either he's like not thinking through things or he is thinking through things, just making the wrong decisions and rationalizing them. But you can't yeah. really be both. Well, and I think I think that final scene of him like deciding to take the serum is something that and, and this is something I'll talk a lot more about, I think, in the next next episode. There seems to be a struggle weaving together these three stories. And the third story is the one that we'll talk about next week, but weaving these stories together in sort of a comprehensive way that sort of makes sense as far as like drawing parallels and comparisons and like lessons from them. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the beginning of it because it, like you said, the point A to point B of like, here's everything that's just happened to me. And therefore I will take this serum. I fail to see the connection. Yeah. And I, I don't think, I don't think it clarifies in the next episode. I actually oh, think so it's yeah. confused further in the next episode. And that's the thing I struggle with the most. It just doesn't manifest the most in this episode. So this episode, I think, ends up being a bit more solid for me because it's just at the tail end as far as the more egregious of the things. Like his anger stuff is something I think we're sort of used to seeing that like his (laughs) there's like an inconsistency in the way that this Peter Parker handles stimulating emotion. Yeah. I, I maybe I'm becoming sort of used to it, but uh... I think you're right though. No, you're right. That it's 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 so common now that it, that I feel like you have to consider it a character trait rather than some because it's because he just he's just written to be a character that flies off the handle sometimes and 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 handles things very badly. <laughs> I, I don't I, know. I, I think it's incidentally a character trait, though. Like, yeah, I think I we're think so I think too. we're getting used to it. I don't think we're being convinced of it because it's not because it's not often portrayed as like a negative thing. Like mm-hmm. with Spectacular Spider-Man, a thing that that show did really well that we commented on constantly was how they could make Peter very flawed and have him make very stupid mistakes but the mistakes are a in character and b the show is framing framing them as mistakes that have consequences most of the time yeah whereas here you're still supposed to be on peter's side the whole time even as he's like rampaging or doing stupid things yeah it doesn't consistently hold him accountable yeah right Uh, yeah like it just doesn't um doesn't peter have like lines like towards the end where i don't know if i'm confusing it with because they do a little bit of this in the next episode too, but I don't remember if, uh, doesn't he have like lines where it's like, he's convinced to take the serum because it's sort of like everything with Warbius has proven to me that it's better to like, not have risk, not having my powers or whatever is basically like his I- idea, right? Like that so, he can be because he's getting blamed for hurting Morbius. I guess it's just sort of like, well, clearly like bad thing. And, and, and Morbius, the reason Orbeus exists is because of Peter's blood. Like he even has a line earlier, which I think is a good line where it's just like everything I touch is poisoned. Everything that touches me is poisoned or whatever. So I guess that's his mindset. It's sort of like, well, all of this stuff is proving that I should take the serum and risk losing my spider powers. Even if that's the case, that's going to be better than not. Kind of like I he's he's frequently motivated with Morbius to like do the right thing. And I'm putting up huge air quotes because they frequently don't clarify exactly what that right thing is with regards to Morbius. Like it's just sort of a general like I must confront this. Mm -hmm. They start to scratch that when they get into the sort of like guilt aspect of it. Like you said, with the blood, like I created this in a way. Mm hmm. 
I just don't think they dive deeply enough into that in this episode or even in the next one in a way that makes the most sense. And then adding sort of a third character eventually makes it even harder to explore that in a way that I think would make the most sense. So it's it's kind of strange. Like, I, I don't I'm not convinced that doing the right thing yeah. is a proper motivator for him to to take the serum because mm-hmm. I I don't know that we've like up to this point, his motivation for taking the serum is to be back to his normal, right? Yeah. The risk of that, best he understands it at this point, is either losing his powers or being destroyed. Neither one of those results allows him to do anything about Morbius. Yeah. So, like, his hope is that it will take him back to normal, but nothing has indicated to him that that could happen other than his own, I guess, stubborn belief that it's possible. I mean, maybe we're not focusing enough on that. The fact that, like, he stubbornly believes that this is a possibility and that's his driving force. So, like, we as as observers of everything and sort of, like, impartial, non-emotional viewers, like, know that he's ignoring all of the signs and therefore shouldn't act. But mm-hmm. he, as an emotional force, isn't necessarily considering the fact that he's ignoring all of these things. He's set on this as an outcome so from his perspective i guess taking the serum is like well this will make me normal again and then i can act without risk like you were saying like he can act i guess properly or like he can he can then act as spider-man sort of standard i, I don't i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean i think all of what you're saying is right and i think that those are good points it's definitely not clear enough in the show like it's not executed definitely not well enough and and i guess there is also you can always fall back on the through line and that is that like oh no morbius is like a gross monster i don't want to be a gross monster yeah. <laughs> you just reminded me of that like i but feel like I that's, think that's even... always there but they don't really yeah they don't really like tap into that as much they right. try to give him like a, a kind of a revelation in the end and if that was all the revelation like, obviously he's been afraid of being a monster the whole time. So that can't be the revelation that he's having. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But, but what's like, so a thing that's going to happen in this episode and it's going to happen in the next episode as well is this sort of like perfectly presented parallel or metaphor or similarity that they just don't capitalize on properly. I don't Mm -hmm. think in this one, it's exactly what you're saying, which is like, Peter's afraid of becoming a monster and he is confronted with a monster that right there is sort of like the perfect motivator for them to just like really capitalize and latch on to. But that's not, that's not his motivation for taking the serum. As I understand it, if he said, I don't want to become that and becomes frantic and takes the serum out of fear, that makes sense to me. But I still feel like he's taking the, he's taking it out of a sense of duty to help Morbius, despite there being no evidence that that will help. So there's like, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a, like, I don't know if I'm using the Occam's razor thing properly, but like there is a simplest solution in writing this story that they're not either considering or capitalizing on. Oh, you're so right. They're going with a much more complicated explanation for simple cause and effect. Yeah. Like that would be such a simple, beautiful story, especially considering this whole episode is kind of a send up of like classic monster movies. Yeah. And, and and that's such a classic thing. Like you don't, you, you don't want to become the monster yourself when facing the monster. Like that's such a beautiful little like story that they could tell and would fit perfectly into the arc that Peter is going through and the arc of the season. So it's kind of baffling that like they tried to overwrite it <laughs> like yeah. they, they they made it more complicated than they needed to for and, and i don't really understand why that happened i don't know it, it it feels like a a desire to sort of 
over assert the sense of responsibility that comes with Peter Parker, but it's such an understood characteristic of his that it so infrequently needs to be stated as a motivator. So like when he's going through such an extreme circumstance like this, it's okay to give him a new motivation. Why not? You know, like this is a bizarre circumstance. His motivations are going to be different. (laughs) Right. Right. Huh. So I'm not really sure, but. It's a baffling, it's kind of a baffling episode because there is a lot of good stuff in it. I mean, this is really, it's kind of been this whole, outside of Hydra Man, it's kind of been the whole season is where it's like, oh yeah, I see really good like nuggets of good things, but then there's just a lot of like weirdness around it. Like, I don't know if they were just kind of struggling with how to break the season arc story, you know? This is probably the first time for a lot of the writers that they were writing in like this long-term way. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe that was just kind of a struggle figuring out like how dense or not dense to make these individual episodes. Yeah. Because the thing is like a lot of the the actual like plot points and progressions that are happening, I think are paced out really well. I think the what's ha- what happens between like this episode and the next episode and then, then what we're leading into with the end of that one. I think that's like it's like the perfect amount of each stage of Peter's like mutation issue. Mm hmm. It's just like all of the stuff in between and all of the stuff that's going on in his head is just like they're really struggling with where to what like level to keep him on at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it does feel very much like they're struggling from sort of that early on, like we're doing something we're not used to thing. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right on that. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of good stuff in this in this one. Oh yeah, no. I this is an episode. There are some episodes of the show that I do not enjoy watching. This is not one of them. Like yeah. I enjoy watching this one. Yeah, and I really dig uh, Halloween episode that actually goes like full on with like horror stuff yeah. without necessarily like calling out that it's a Halloween episode. Yeah. Like, it didn't. It could have premiered any time. It's just pretty perfect that it came out around Halloween because it has all the trappings of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Big thumb up for that one. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want all the trappings of Halloween and Christmas and every holiday, because everything's great on our Patreon, <laughs> you could t- I was really reaching for that one. Nice. Um, yeah. No, I plan. I planned all of that out in advance. Um, <laughs> you can visit our Patreons. This is our this is our Patreon plug in case you didn't uh, figure it out. Um, we have. <laughs> if you're listening now, we've uh, pretty recently, just at the beginning of this year, revamped our Patreon, made it a little more simplified. So. We have a lot of cool stuff going on there now. What we're really excited about, a lot of new stuff that we weren't able to do last year that we're so happy to be doing this year. So um, at any level, there's there's going to be some uh, some good perks you get. Um, so even at just like the $1 level, um, not only do you get early access to our shows, um, you also get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers improv game. We ha- we'll have Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes. We just recorded one of those today. Yeah. Um, that'll I imagine it'll probably be out before this one comes out. Um, yeah, you may have already heard it yeah probably already heard it but um and we're going to keep recording more of those where we just kind of talk about our sorry, little spider bite episodes where we just talk about uh for a short time something in spider-man related that we're excited about um that we either one of us or both of us have uh, have read or watched whether it's comics video games movies other cartoons so um just check out for more spider-man content there additionally five dollar level um you can get access to our after dark commentary episodes in addition to some other uh fun little goodies and then at our thirty dollar level um you can be a special guest on a bonus episode where we can discuss pretty much uh, any one of your favorite episodes. So yeah. lots of good stuff on our Patreon. That's not everything, even more than that. So please check us out, patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. 
Indeed. Well, if people are interested in finding just us as individuals, uh, where can people find you and what you are doing, Derek? Cool, cool. You can find me on the Twitterverse at Derek B. Gale. You can find me with lots of my thoughts on current media and stuff i'm not really sure when i'm gonna be watching by the time this comes out but <laughs> i know the... we're so displaced in time at this point that plugs get weird <laughs> i know it's hard it's hard <laughs> to tell what i'll be doing at that time but for example right now if you were to travel back in time i'm watching mm-hmm. watchmen and I'm loving that and talking about that as i watch stuff like that so i don't know i i do a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of talking about the media that i'm watching and i'd like to think that some of my threads are fun that's also where you can find out about any other projects projects that I might be working on or like other podcasts that I'm on at any given time. So please follow me there. I pretty much put all my plugs there. Um, You can also follow me on YouTube for my video essay show, Second Chance. It's a a series that looks at like bad or divisive media from a positive lens. Um, And I imagine by the time this episode comes out, there will have been another new episode of that. So uh, where can we find you, Doug? You can also find me on Twitter. Um, I am at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And I can tell you exactly what I will be tweeting about right about now, because in just a couple of weeks, a monumentous season of Survivor will be happening, an all-winter season. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary, their 40th season. And so I imagine I will be tweeting quite a bit about that uh, in the lead-up. So... (laughs) I hope you are prepared for that. Mute me if you must, but follow me and say hi regardless. And if you are into Pokemon stuff, you can find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. Um, that could be anything. If you'd like to follow our show, and I suggest that you should, because we tweet lots of goodies, mm-hmm. tweet and post across all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of those are at WallopingWebPod. I would also love it. If you have any feedback you want to give us, you can feel free to email us at WallopingWebSnappersPodcast at gmail.com. And of course, uh, you've heard this on every podcast ever. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Tons of podcast platforms that are out there, but that's the best one to find podcasts and we would love help helping other people discover us since there are other spider-man podcasts out there so the higher rating that we get the more likely that they will come upon ours and if you like the stuff that we're doing i'd hope that you would recommend it to other people too (laughs) so uh that's an easy way to do that next week the punisher makes his grand entrance as he enters in the episode enter the punisher nice nice see you there see ya